This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the This Week in Rays Baseball podcast. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Well, welcome to our latest podcast. We still have not had any cuts so far in camp, which means Mark Topkin and I are both still here. Mark, uh, your take so far on camp is uh, things have been relatively quiet. I did break a crown. Does that count? It wasn't a cut, though, so there, there was that injury. No, no cuts yet. I think uh, probably uh, end of this week, early next week, and, and rarely is that first round of any interest, Neil. I actually have heard you're probably okay as well, so I think you're good. Uh, it, it's been fairly quiet. There haven't been any major injuries, and as, of course, as we tape this now, who knows what will happen uh, between now and airtime, but... No, it's been a fairly sedate camp. I mean, you know, the Rays have some competition. We know there's a question of who's going to be the catcher. There's some bullpen spots open. There's still some, you know, issue of where they're going to move some pieces around. They might be out looking for another hit hitter. I've heard they're looking for right-handed hitting outfielder, you know, which could impact Malik Smith. It could impact whether where Colby Rasmus is in his rehab. That could dictate what they do. Matt Duffy hasn't played yet. Brad Boxberger hasn't pitched yet. So there's still some guys, key guys, we haven't seen on the field yet. And I know Kevin Cash said the other day, they felt comfortable getting into the middle of the month, maybe even like the upper teens. So March 16, March 17, but that's not that far away. Yep. In fact, that's the Rays' next off day. They just had their first of the spring on the sixth, and uh, you know. So yes, you're right. We're closing in on that point. Um, are you? I mean, when you did your projections, you had both Duffy and Rasmus starting on the deal. Is that conjecture, or do you think there's some legitimacy to that? I can't reveal my sources, Neil. You know that. No, I mean, I, I think that's as much at this point of, you know, just me, common sense, assumptions, knowing how conservative the Rays are. Their training staff is absolutely one of the best in baseball. Ron Porterfield, that athletic training staff he has, all the resources they have, their doctors, I mean, they do a really good job. But one of the patterns we notice is, you know, some dates get thrown out there and maybe they're optimistic dates that sometimes placate the player who has a certain idea in mind. But the reality is the Rays almost always get to that point and then let's take another day. Let's take another couple days. Let's be sure. So it seems hard to me. It seems hard for me to think that, you know, Colby Rasmus and Matt Duffy, who haven't even, you know, as far as we know, been close to playing in a game yet, and certainly Duffy further away, I think, than Rasmus, that they'll be ready. Now they could. They can certainly amp up. They're both guys that have been around a little bit. Rasmus more so, but I just don't see them rushing those guys. I think it's very possible. And don't forget, DLs are only ten days now, not fifteen. And even with a little backdating, the Rays have two days off in the first 10 days of the season. So there's a chance those guys could not be ready for the start of the season and yet only miss you know, a relative handful of games. Which, again, sometimes we put so much emphasis on the opening day roster when there's a whole lot of baseball to be played thereafter. Yeah, but it wouldn't be any fun for me to do a projection in the paper of what the April 7th roster is going to look like or something. So, sure, we peg it to opening day. And and on the other hand, I mean, I know it doesn't mean anything, but there is a, a certain cachet to being on an opening day roster in the big leagues. There is. Um, and one of the big things to figure out still is the bullpen. And I think that he probably doesn't make the opening day roster, but we've seen in the past guys who've impressed thereafter, Grant Balfour, Joaquin Benoit, uh, Jamie Schultz has made quite an impression so far in camp. What's your take on him? 
He has, and, and I think the one difference I'd cite there, Neil, and I know you realize it too, but you know, in the cases of a guy like Balfour or Benoit, there was a history of work in the big leagues. And, and the Rays, as far as promoting guys who've never been in the big leagues before, I'm not sure I can think of a rookie pitcher who broke camp with them. Uh, and, and certainly you know, in a typical situation, I mean, Rolando Rojo was a Cuban player who came over way back in the day. But a rookie pitcher who comes up through the system breaking camp with them is very unusual. And even early in the season promotions are unusual. I mean, we did see Blake Snell come up in April last year for a spot start and then get sent back down. You know, so Jamie Schultz definitely made a huge impression in camp. I mean, we've all been caught up in Ryan Stanek and the, the velo there that, you know, every time he pitches, are we going to see the 0-0 or the one zero zero on the scoreboard? But Jamie Schultz is just about up there, too. You know, high 90s and very effective, and that power curve is really a good weapon as well. And we've seen the way the game has changed. I mean, you look at the Royals when they had Kelvin Herrera and Wade Davis, um, and they had Greg Holland, uh, and then last year the Cubs with Aroldis Chapman and the, and the high power arms they had out of the bullpen. It's become a more physical game game and when you look at those guys who Adam Nicolome and some of the others down the line who Nathan Evaldi next year if he's a bullpen guy the Rays could have their own physical bullpen and a power bullpen there's definitely some merit in that and the other thing with Jamie Schultz is because he's been a starter really almost his entire minor league career since you know first for year in Hudson Valley and coming out of high point but you know he could be one of those guys that could bridge multiple innings and, and that may be part Kevin Cash said they're gonna have to make a decision later in the spring is he a starter or a reliever and, you know, part of that decision, I think, is going to be, is he a multiple inning reliever? Can he sustain that stuff? Look, it's obviously easier to go all out if you know you're throwing one inning versus if you're throwing six or seven or eight or potentially nine. Not that the Rays guys ever throw a complete game in the minor leagues, but it's different as a reliever. And I think part of it's going to be explore his mindset. Now, you know, on his part, he seems to me like a really sharp kid. You know him better than I do, but he seems like a really sharp kid, and he'll get his handle, you know, get his head around whatever it is they ask him to do. And the other thing is, right now, assuming health with the five raised starters going into the season and the guys who are in AAA, they have eight guys who could start at the AAA level, so they have the flexibility to move someone to the bullpen, which certainly is very important. Now, I don't take a whole lot of stock in spring training stats. Again, Schultz has been impressive, but one guy who has and could play a big role, especially with the injuries we spoke about, is Ricky Weeks. He has, and I think you know if you were going to pick an MVP of the first couple weeks of spring training for the Rays, and, and I don't think anyone really does that, but it would probably be Ricky Weeks. I mean, just come in very impressive offensively. I think he's handled first base very well. I, I don't know that I've seen a play yet where I thought he looked awkward out there, but a couple plays where maybe it wasn't as smooth or a, a pickoff, there was a ball hit where I think he had a cover first ball hit to the pitcher where he kind of tapped the base with his foot, was feeling for it a little bit. But Ricky Weeks is a pretty good second baseman for a pretty long time in the big leagues. I mean, he's slowed down, he's bulked up a little bit, but nothing that makes me think he wouldn't really be a good first baseman in the big leagues as well. And another guy who's come off to a good start this spring, again, with injuries, may play a larger role early at least, Tim Beckham. Yeah, I mean, I and I wrote this in Sunday's Tampa Bay Times. You may see uh, opening day shortstop Tim Beckham because I think the Rays are pretty steadfast in not wanting to move Brad Miller. I mean, he may play at some point during the season, some shortstop, but as far as starting the season, I think they want him to focus on playing second base. So if Matt Duffy isn't ready, and being ready doesn't just mean being physically able to play one game. Matt Duffy's got to be able to play several days in a row. I mean, they, you know, they play on a Sunday, they're off on Monday, they play Tuesday, but then they have a full week of games, play one Yankee Stadium, have one off, and then they get into a pretty heavy schedule. So Matt Duffy's got to show not only can he play, but he can play back-to-back in two games out of three or three games out of four. All that being said, Tim Beckham is a guy who I think could end up the opening day shortstop, more so than Willie Adamas. I think Daniel Robertson's another possibility, but of that group, I think Tim Beckham's probably the most likely candidate to be there. Interesting stuff to watch for, and something you're going to watch for later this week. You're going to go down to Miami and get to see Chris Archer 
in the WBC who's had a pretty good tune-up so far. I've seen Chris Archer wear blue. I've never seen him wear red, white, and blue, though, and that'll be kind of a treat on Friday night. Um, they'll actually play the same Colombian team that's playing at Port Charlotte on Wednesday night, and I think it'll be interesting to see how Chris Archer does. I know there's a lot of people who think the WBC is not a good idea for frontline pitchers, I can tell you, Neil, talking to Chris Archer, how much it means to him and how proud he's going to be to be there uh, out there on the mound when you know the anthem plays and those type of things. And he sees it as a positive. I mean, I chatted with him about that because he thinks it's going to get him more game ready for the regular season than pitching in a backfield or a game with lesser players. Yeah, I, I think I'm probably going to withhold judgment on that, and that's only because last spring when Chris Archer, you know, and, the, and this was kind of at the raised direction, but they kind of had him duck some American League East teams there toward the end of spring training. I think three of his last outings ended up either being there was one rain shortened and a couple on the backfield and then he didn't get off to a good start and I think you know, a couple months into the season if even though he was steadfast in saying that was no factor he kind of said well maybe it was and you know same thing if he goes to WBC gets off to a good start it's going to be the greatest thing ever if he gets off to a bad start well maybe he needs a little time but the important thing is if he comes through it healthy as long as he's not hurt he doesn't do anything puts a strain on his arm I mean this idea of being over amped and pitching in a sold-out Marlins Park versus a Port Charlotte Stadium, there is going to be a difference for him. If he can control that part of it, I think it's going to be a great experience. No doubt. Well, you enjoy the experience, too, in Miami. Thanks for joining us. I get you a T-shirt, but they might be a little too expensive. That big spender, Mark Topkin. Well, hopefully Chris Archer will take care of his teammates in the Rays clubhouse a bit better. You know, when Archer returns, we'll be that much closer to figuring out the catching situation. It appears it's a three-player race for two spots. Kurt Casale, Luke Maley, and Jesus Sucre vying for those two. Casale is the one you can probably pencil in. The other spot, a bit harder to determine. Maley and Sucre have had good camps so far, and I asked Luke how he felt it's gone. I'm really encouraged. I mean, thus far, um, everything that I've set out to do over the winter, I've, um, I've been pretty successful with. I think more than the numbers, more than the hits, it's just uh, the comfortability I have at the plate right now. It just, you know, I just feel a little bit older, a little bit more mature. Um, it's something that, you know, I, I've had some stretches where I've looked like that and felt like that, but it hasn't been consistent enough for me. And um, so far, so good, I guess, is the best way I can put it. You mentioned what you set out to do in the winter. Give us an idea of what you did set out to do and, and how you wanted to get yourself ready for spring training. I just wanted to find a swing that was just more me. Um, you know, pretty much my first, you know, three or four years of my minor league career, I was always a guy that just kind of, hit line drives I just had really good at bats I, I hit the ball um, pretty early in counts but wasn't afraid to hit with two strikes and I didn't try and do too much um, went through a little bit of an adjustment period um, the past couple years um, got a little bit better last year and I thought that the reason that it got better was just because I simplified my swing um, so this off season, I just wanted to get myself obviously stronger and you know healthy and all that stuff as well but more specifically just to find a swing that was more me and um, I wouldn't say that it came easily but once I kind of found it you know in middle of January early February I, I was pretty pleased with it and I'm glad to see that it's had some pretty good results so far. Maybe it's oversimplifying it but was there a stretch that maybe where you got away from that line drive approach that be able to make solid contact in all counts? Yeah and I think too I mean part of it was just trying to experiment and see what else was there. I, I had a stretch where I wanted to kind of see what I could do as far as um, you know putting up power numbers and I think uh, you know I don't regret doing it. Um, it didn't work out exactly the way that I wanted it to but I, I don't regret it at all. I think that's kind of what the minor leagues are for and what being a young player is all about is just trying to find who you are but 
I think I've gotten to a point now where I have a better understanding of what I'm trying to do. Um, and I think as long as I continue to play solid defense, the offense is just going to get better. And the defense, I know you've always had a solid reputation, but are there things you've set out to do or set out to do in the offseason in terms of getting you ready for spring training and the regular season on the defensive side? Uh, I mean, nothing very specifically except just trying to improve in all facets. And I, I think one of the things that's always been a knock on me and that I've knocked myself for is just kind of passing that eye test, especially when it comes to blocking. Um, you know, I've always been kind of a, a guy that can get the job done for you and look good most of the time, but I've certainly had stretches where it's been a bit of a struggle and it's been, uh, you know, whether it's being late, uh, getting down, or maybe just not quite squaring it up off the center of my chest and having it squirt away. Um, you know, I think those types of things is just going to make you all the more look and feel the part, and I think that goes a long way, especially at this level. Where have you, let's say, improved physically in that regard? Have you done anything to make yourself more flexible? I know we've talked sometimes guys do yoga, Pilates, whatever, whatever it may be. Yeah, I've always been a big believer in flexibility. I've done yoga quite often in my career, um, and none of that changed. The only difference that I would say is I did a lot more running. Um, you know, catchers kind of get a bad rap, and I mean, it's for good reasons at times of just being base cloggers, and that's just not who I've ever been. That's not something I want to be. I wanted to make sure that I had the ability to go first to third, um, the ability to stretch singles into doubles, things like that, and, um, and be able to score from second base mainly. Um, those little things uh, was pretty much the, not the sole reason but one of the big reasons that I worked so hard on my running this offseason. And again early in spring training but what have you thought of the staff? Obviously you've got a chance to work with a lot of different guys some guys who are trying to make a name for themselves and put them in a position to help the team at some point this year. Well I mean we got a lot of good arms um, and that's probably an understatement I mean we you could almost argue we have too many great arms um, and it's a great problem to have I've been super impressed with everybody um, the main thing that I like is that, you know, and it kind of ties along with what I was talking about, about becoming a little bit more professional. I, I think that as our guys, our staff is starting to get older and a little bit more mature, you can sort of feel their presence a little bit more. Um, and that's not to say that you couldn't in the past, but certainly I think that having another year under your belt for everybody is only going to help. And uh, I've been impressed with it so far. And at this point, I guess you could still consider yourself in a competition regarding one of the catching spots. How do you approach that? I mean, you are on the 40-man. You do have an advantage there. Is it something you think about at all? Not really. I mean, certainly you want to make the club. Um, but thinking about you know what other guys are doing is never going to be beneficial. Um, so far, every day I've gone out here, I've just tried to act like a front-line guy and be the front-line guy and play like it. Um, it's not going to happen every single day, obviously. But... Um, you know, my mentality is not to beat somebody up for a job. It's just to make myself better and to um, run a game, basically. Be in charge, you know, be vocal when I need to be, but mainly just kind of have that presence behind the plate that I think everybody's looking for out of a frontline guy. That's Luke Maley, one of the guys he's competing with for a catching spot. Wasn't here until just before the start of camp. Jesus Sucre said the deal from Seattle caught him by surprise. I mean, I was, I was already in, in Phoenix with uh, my family and, you know, trying to get ready for spin training down there. And then my agent just gave me a call, hey, you just got traded. I was like, oh, my God, where am I going now? I was like, oh, you got to go to Florida now. Oh, my God, you know, pack all your stuff again, chip your car, a lot of things going on. Finally, I sent my, my family down there to, to Venezuela because, you know, I don't know anybody in here. I mean, I get to know a couple guys, but I don't know where am I going, you know. So I told my wife, you know what, I'm going to go there, stay there for 
you know, get everything set up, and then you go in the next two weeks. So I got here. I like I get to know all those guys. I'm excited to be here. How much did it help that there's so many guys who've been with the Mariners organization that you already knew? You know what? The funniest thing when I got here, I was talking to Farquhar and then Lomo and and the the first word the uh, Farquhar said to me, "Oh, welcome here." You know what? This is the Tampa Bay Mariners. <laughs> it was the funny team that I ever listened when I got here. But it's fine, you know. Uh, kind of feel a little more comfortable with all those guys that I played with the, the last couple of years, and that's great, man. That's great. What have you thought so far of the pitchers? that you've gotten to work with and the talent? Because obviously you used to catch Felix. You've caught some very talented arms over the years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I get to catch all those guys in Seattle, but as soon as I got here, my man, I'm, I'm telling you, my first impression when I catch Archer and, and the first day, first day, wow. And I was talking with Pigeon Coast and all those guys. I was like, you know, guys, you guys got some amazing arms in here and young guys. It, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy when you have those kind of arms in here, and and they jump. I mean, they if they learn how this game is, they're gonna have some good good arms in here in Tampa Bay, man. How long does it take you to get to learn and feel comfortable with a staff, and how far are you? I mean, I'm, I'm like I said, as soon as I saw Archer, I saw Kobe. You know, all, all the starting pitchers is the most the most important team and in, in, in camp and and I I think I get then all then already and I, I think I'm I know what they what they have what what they want to do what they trying to do and I say just a couple guys in the pen that I don't I don't even know too much but I believe if 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 I continue here I I'm gonna get to know them and. Archer said some great things about you. He kind of compared you to a Jose Molina type in terms of the way you receive. What does that mean when you hear something like that? I mean, it makes you feel really good, you know. Something that I do is everything I go out, I don't care about hitting, I don't care about my stuff. I only care about pitching stuff, pitching stuff. All I want is the starting pitchers to be happy, you know, do their job. And then this is a plus for me. This is a plus. Oh, all, uh, every time in my career, I only worry about pitchers. And I might be why I have good relationship with Phyllis in the past. Because, like I say, all I want is the pitchers feel comfortable, do the job, feel happy. And that made me happy too, you know. And then it's great. It's great to hear that from Archer, from a couple other guys. They... Those teams, you know, make you feel great. What is this competition like for you? Because I know, obviously, you want to make the club, and, and you're trying to make the club. Yeah, I mean, you know what? It's, I really comp- I, I really compete with myself. I really compete with myself. I don't, you know, just trying to go out and do the best I can. And like you said, I'm trying to make the team but. I don't really compete with anybody except myself. That's Jesus Sucre, and we appreciate him, Luke Maley, and Mark Topkin for being with us on the latest podcast. This weekend, join us for our latest Countdown to Opening Day show. 
Brad Miller, and Tom Foley. Until then, enjoy the baseball. We'll speak with you soon.